Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. I appreciate the uh, Golden Globe of responses. It says the diplomat is very good. Succession is great, but not for everyone. It's not for everyone. I try to give my my mother in law, and she can she just can't stand it. Just, just, was, uh, yeah, it doesn't be a while to stand it because it's just yeah. it's one of those it's one of the, it's dark, very few shows. It's where dark you, and dry comedy. It's comedy, a dark drama. Comedy. Yeah. It's very dark. It's a dark drama. But it's as you watch Succession, I've seen every episode. That's great. There, there's not a single character you root for. There's, I mean, it's like one of those where you're just like, God, I hate all these people. <laughs> you're like, that's really that's the, true. I agree with you on you're, that. You're like, God, because normally yeah. you find a character you can get behind and be like, okay. I well, like even this the guy. Sopranos made sociopathy lovable. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, they, yeah, they you love Tony yeah. Soprano, even though he was a you know, they're, brutal they're, thug. They're sociopaths, and none of them are really lovable. They're, uh, I will say they're interesting, though. Like, there's not one boring Oh, like, no, 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 they're no. They're all it's, really intriguing characters. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 heavy. Um, it is. But then it's funny, uh, because you, it's almost... A caricature at some level, but it's so well done. Well, Will like, Ferrell hey, and uh, Adam McKay are the executive producers on it, right? On yeah. what? On oh, Succession. Uh, Succession. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, I didn't know Will Ferrell was a part of that. Yeah. I have seen his. I've seen his name on the credits. Hmm. I never mm-hmm. saw that. Oh, yeah. But it's a it's a damn because of course you know, Will Ferrell's a comedian, but he went to what UCLA. Yeah, USC. But, it, it is it, USC it, for theater. It is, it is a comedy, guys. It's just dark. That's why people it makes people uncomfortable. It is a it is a comedy. It's it's a dark comedy, and he said it's a parody on like I don't know the wealth uh, the wealth class of America, pretty much. Every oh, yeah. every character is hateable. Oh. Yeah, I think I think the writing is superb. Oh, it's, it's a superbly done show and acted. Yeah. I mean, like in those Golden Globes, or every character is up for one of the Golden Globes for one role from the roles that they do. No, the, the and the beauty of it is. It's it's basically they give they they shoot it kind of like Larry David does Curb Your Enthusiasm. They give them situations and circumstances and give them starting points and starting lines, but they they improvise a lot of it. Like half of it is just them going to the situation. That's why um, Macaulay Culkin's brother in it. Oh, he's Kieran. a Kieran. He's a star because they say he's probably one of the best freestyle uh, actors that they have. When he improvises, once he's off script, he just goes, and they're like, it's almost shocking. And that's why the language is so shocking too, because it's not necessarily language they've written in a script. Yeah. It is language that they put them in a situation that gives them the point yeah, to start, the and character. then they go, they well, go. And, and he makes he, he says some of the most uncomfortable things exactly. I've ever heard. And he's a, like, what a and that's in his brain. This guy that's is. in his mind. Like yeah. he coming up with that. I was like, dude, you're a sick mofo, you're man. Sick mofo. <laughs> uh, but and then there's just some incredible scenes in succession of, of a good yes. acting. But then it's a it's a real good show. Uh, but you gotta you gotta embrace it and get get get, get dark with it. Yeah. Uh, on the biopic conversation with um, you know the Bradley Cooper Leonard Bernstein film that's out it says Man in the Moon with uh, Jim Carrey was really good. That was good. Don't forget about J Lo and Selena. She did a good. Oh, job. Oh, she that's did an true. amazing job. She did. In that one. And that was kind of. The, that was her point. That was a that was, that was and it was a, it was one of those 
roles that was kind of built for her, right? She loved Selena in the first place and knew all her music and kind of looked like her. It wasn't that hard to yeah. make her look like Selena. No, you're right about that. And that was because for her, she went from acting to music, and usually you don't go that route. Well, because but remember she was a usually, fly girl dancer. Yeah, she went. Yeah, she was a fly girl dancer. On and then, what was that? In living and, color. In living color. But she went basically. She started that kind of acting. And yes. then got in and was like, no, no, music is my, my way to go. Yeah, because she was music growing up and Jenny, Jenny from the block, you know what I mean? And she loved music. But then acting, I guess the, the acting came from her fly girl. Because people saw her on I television think, yeah, and she, they wanted yeah. to cast her and things. Yeah, and, and, and she, I think she was like, no, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm actually I'm a musical artist. And she's like, triple threat. And that's when, yeah, she is pretty much. Triple threat. And a sex symbol. Sex symbol. She still looks good. Damn, she still looks good. And she's back with, with Ben Affleck, man. Ben Affleck always looks miserable, even when he. Like, I know he, always, he does, doesn't he? He does. I think this is the way Ben Affleck looks, pretty much, pretty much. I think this is the way he, he goes. About it is how he looks. That's true. <laughs> he just looks annoyed. All right, the uh, nine uh, nine o'clock hour rolls on. We'll get Rod's rant coming up. We're talking about these uh, thrilling finishes on Monday Night Football and the parody of the NFL. Uh, you noticed something because there's a one of the talking head shows that's on this morning. We have got the TV up and on here at the home studio in the OC. And Buffalo now up to a two-and-a-half point favorite over Dallas. It was yes, one-and-a-half to open. It's now up to two-and-a-half, which tells you money's coming in on the Bills. You would like the Bills. I mean, right now, if you had – because you just brought up the numbers about the teams that are still mathematically in the playoffs. And so a lot of these teams are bubble teams, right? They're right on oh, – they're, they're bubblicious. Yeah, some teams are going to be in guaranteed. There are a lot of teams on the bubble. The, the Buffalo Bills are pretty much everybody's favorite bubble team right now. Because yes. they still got their starting quarterbacks healthy. Everybody expected them to be better than they are right now. Um, even though I said they would regress, I didn't expect them to be close to 500, which is what they are right now. And if you're thinking about a team that's on the bubble who could close strong and make the playoffs, a lot of people are picking Buffalo to be that team. Well, that's the team I picked to win that division, and they've looked yeah. at times like it. And maybe the getting rid of Joe, I suggested surviving that Kansas City game somehow was really, really big for them. You wonder how much momentum that creates because they had had some near misses that went the other way. The Philadelphia game, they let get away, mm-hmm. and they lost in overtime to the, to the, uh, to the Eagles. And, but this was one that they finished, and they got the win. Uh, and now, you know, maybe there's new life. And they put Joe Brady in to call plays now, and they got rid of Ken yeah. Dorsey, and that was a controversial thing. Um, but you wonder, because they play the Cowboys, the Chargers, the Patriots, and then the Dolphins. That Dolphins game at the end of the year could be really big in South Beach right. um, because the Bills already beat Miami and beat them pretty good in Buffalo. They and, did. I forgot about that. Yeah, beat them. I mean, that was the day – that was the week after the, the, the Dolphins hung 70 on the Broncos, mm-hmm. and then they went to Buffalo and – Buffalo did a real good job against them. So, uh, yeah, this is a that's a huge game. And the Cowboys, of course, can't afford a loss here. There's no margin for error for them as far as the NFC East goes. I am surprised. I mean, listen to the Cowboys' punk totals since November 12. Remember they came out of the Philadelphia loss? They lost 28-23, and they were livid at themselves for not winning that game. Since that game, they've scored 49-33, 45-41-33. Uh, I don't yeah. know. And guess what? The Mother Nature has been very kind to the Cowboys. We told you this yesterday that the Sunday forecast in Buffalo is for like 47 degrees and sunshine. Mm-hmm. Like on December the 17th in Buffalo, you couldn't ask for better. That's like balmy. I mean, you could have gotten something horrible, like the lake effect snow off of the lake. I mean, you could have been, who knows? You're getting 48 comfortable degrees. Yeah. You can still throw, run your entire offense because the Cowboys don't run the ball. That was my fear with Buffalo is they're going to go up there and not be able to run the ball great. And uh, Dak is going to be in a weather game. Uh, and it's kind of like the Texans last week, right? The Texans playing in a rainstorm. Mm-hmm. And they don't run the ball great. Um, and so it was going to be on incumbent upon 
uh, C.J. Stroud to deliver you know, good throws, and then his top three weapons are hurt. So he throws two, uh, and you're playing a real good defense. So, uh, But the Cowboys, I mean, 49, 33, 45, 41, 33. I mean, they're playing great football. They are. Uh, and Buffalo's still kind of schizophrenic, you know what I mean? Nothing, apologies to all the schizophrenics out there, but they're up and down. Cowboys have been really consistent since that uh, since their bye week. And the only loss, if, if you go back to the games coming out of the bye week when I started noticing Dax you know, playing out of his mind, they scored 43 against the Rams. So it went 43 total points. Then they lost to the Philadelphia in a game they had every business winning when Dak threw for 375 and they couldn't get the ball mm-hmm. in from the red zone. They lose that game, but then – so. If you go back to October 29th, 43-49-33-4, I will take those points right now, I think, sitting here. Yeah, especially in a league where scoring is down. Most teams can't even – they don't have a starting quarterback <laughs> to really this, execute enough plays. You got this kicker that will nail 50, 60 yarders like it's, uh, you know, picking a flower. This guy doesn't care. He's butter, you know, buttery – Aubrey. Butter, Butter Aubrey. Aubrey. Yeah. They, they're good in every phase. They can score defensively, which we know. And uh, guess what? Josh Allen is turnover prone. And they force a lot of turnovers. They they're do. One of the more opportunistic defenses in the NFL. Yeah, I would take the Cowboys. Me too. I told you when it was a one and a half one, I was like, oh, that's easy money for the Cowboys. I think what Vegas is looking at, first of all, Vegas sets these lines up. So they want to incentivize right, people to bet. And people love to bet on and against the Cowboys. Uh, but also desperation. Um, sure. The desperation factor is on the side of the Bills. They're playing desperate right now. Um, you talked about it. There's a lot of conversation about Sean McDermott and um, whether you know whether his message had grown stale and whether uh, they had passed that window. I talk about that five-year window and whether they were going to be a championship contender and the regression of that team. They fired their offensive coordinator. Sean McDermott's not calling the plays. A lot of stories now coming out about Sean McDermott's inappropriate remarks and uh, stories and metaphors uh, to the team. Stuff like that only comes out when you're on the hot seat and, t- and people are trying to get you out. All right? And they want negative stories out there about you. When they were winning, nobody cared about him telling stories, uh, talking about 9-11 terrorists and stuff like that. Never came out. Now it's coming out because they want him out. But desperation is on their side, and desperation is a real thing when it comes to grown men and pro athletes. And on, they got a lot of pride, and I'm telling you, they, they, right now, people. they're in playoff mode. They're in win because they know another loss, coach will probably get fired. They'll probably just dismantle this whole damn thing if they're out of it mathematically. So they're playing in desperation Shh. mode right now, and that helps them a little bit. But I, I agree with you 100%, everything you just said. And uh, But I also watched the game with the Bills. I mean, with the uh, Chiefs, they played great in the first half, and again, they went to sleep in the second half. And if not for Kadarius Tony's being a bonehead, they'd lose. Yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. we're talking about another loss. So they're, they play on the margins. Whereas the Cowboys have not been. The Cowboys have been throttling people. Yes, they have. Um, and and I mean, what I'm surprised by is when I saw the line come out at one and a half Buffalo, which makes sense, right? It's home team, on the road, Cowboys having to travel, weather could be a factor. It's gone up Buffalo's way. I thought money would come in on the Cowboys almost immediately. It has not. The money's come in on Buffalo, which I find interesting. Uh, Ty, where are you on that? Would you take the, uh, the, the Cowboys in those two and a half points right now? I would certainly tease it up to eight and a half. With something else and see how I do. I mean, that's yeah. hey, give me give me the Cowboys an eight and a half the way they're playing right now. I got you. Uh, what do you think there, Ty? Um, well, uh, you know the desperation that that Rod mentioned and Vegas fa- factoring that in. I agree with that. But on the other side of it, um, I think another thing that is affecting it for the Cowboys is you know a letdown after a big win. You know, it was very true. emotional. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cowboys, I'm sure that's going to be the message in the locker room this week. But I, I, I feel like that be. that happens a lot to the Cowboys. So yeah, I, I would probably take the Bills right now. Nice, oh, nice. Okay, that's and, a good point. Look, that I was a litmus test game for the Cowboys. There's no doubt about it. They had not beaten a good team, and when okay. they had the opportunity, they had failed up to that point. And um, 
it was it was a throttling. I mean, it really was. It was impressive what they did. But yeah, sometimes you you play that A level game, and it's hard to do that again the week later because you're. I don't want to say you're satisfied, but much like desperation is a human instinct and a human nature thing, satisfaction becomes a human yes, nature thing. Like, man, we really kicked their butt. Yeah. Uh, you know, I hate the Eagles. Look how well we played. Uh, that can, and that's why I was talking yesterday a lot about how not. Because if the, if the Chiefs had finished that thing off and beaten them, I think you'd have a beaten Buffalo team. Instead, you're going to have an incentivized, uh, on a bubble, our season over if we don't win this game, Buffalo team coming home with some energy. It's a good conversation. Can't wait for that game. Sunday afternoon, yeah. it's the feature game of Week 15 in the National Football League. Um, so good stuff right there. Let's do more NFL coming up. We'll also get some who said that for the end of the hour. But who right now that? it's time for Rod's second rant of a Tuesday. Rod's Rant of the Day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car, any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butt. All right, I want to. Um, I started out talking about the Texans actually last uh, Rush Red, and I want to throw that out there once again um, before we get into the quarterback attrition happening in the NFL, historic quarterback attrition happening in the NFL. So I threw this out there, and I can't really figure out exactly how to explain this trend with the Texans. So the Texans have uh, on defense; they've allowed a hundred three plus passer rating. To five quarterbacks. Those five quarterbacks are Baker Mayfield, Zach Wilson, Gardner Minshew, Desmond Ritter, and Bryce Young. It was the best games of the season (laughs) for Bryce Young, for Zach Wilson, and for Baker Mayfield. Best games they've had all season long against the Texans defense. For Zach Wilson, maybe his whole career. And for Zach Wilson, maybe his whole career. Actually, for Bryce Young, it is his whole career so far, his young career. Yeah, no, no doubt for him, too, because uh, he's had a terrible season. But against the Texans, his passer rating was pretty good. All the other quarterbacks that they played against, better quarterbacks than the ones that I previously named, Desmond Ritter, Gardner Minshew, Bryce Young, Zach Wilson, Baker Mayfield, who all had 103 or better passer ratings, uh, or three of those guys who had their best games of the season, but when they played quarterbacks like Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, twice, by the way, Derek Carr, Lamar Jackson, uh, Kenny Pickett, Russell Wilson, I think they're better quarterbacks than the ones uh, that, we, that we just named. They held those quarterbacks to a 91 pass rating or lower. And the only thing I can think, and by the way, the 157 pass attempts against Baker Mayfield, Zach Wilson, uh, Desmond Ritter, Gardner Minshew and Bryce Young, Texans, Z, Texans defense had zero interceptions. Didn't intercept them one time. And those are among some of your worst decision makers at the quarterback position in the league. And Texans didn't force them into making bad decisions. The only thing I can think of is that the Texans have an arrogant, uh, overconfident game plan when they play against average to below average to mediocre quarterbacks like Baker Mayfield, Zach Wilson, Gardner Minshew, Desmond Ritter, and Bryce Young. And when they play against Joe Burrow or Trevor Lawrence or Russell Wilson or Lamar Jackson, um, they have you know better game plans, more thorough game plans. Game plans probably infuse a little bit more humility. Uh, probably they have more exhaustive game plans. 
and maybe because they're playing the premier quarterbacks in the league, um, they, their game plans reflect that, and maybe they're a little bit overconfident uh, with their preparation for the average quarterbacks. That's the only thing I can think of. Speaking of Texans, as we're talking about Texans before we move on and talking about the quarterbacks overall, uh, the Texans offense, I found this little nugget. Because uh, the Texans are going to be without Tank Dell, of course, and without, without Nico Collins, too, because he's still dealing with an injury. So they're not sure about his availability. The Texans offense has the third highest explosive play rate. That's 10-plus yard runs, 20-plus uh, yard passes in the NFL behind only the Dolphins and the 49ers. Look at explosive play rate. So they're really, really explosive. Tank Dell and Nico Collins accounted for more than half of their explosive plays. 93 of them, they accounted for 50 of the 93 explosive plays. That's, that's and now C.J. Stroud, of course, in the concussion protocol. But even if he's not in the concussion protocol, it goes back to something that he brought up earlier about the lack of weapons for some of these quarterbacks. It, you can argue that the lack of weapons had more of a detrimental effect on C.J. Stroud in the Texans offense than the lack of offensive linemen that they had early on in the season. In early in the season, they had the most injured offensive line in the league. But this week, this past week, when they lost all their wide receivers, now they were going up against a really good defense too. Uh, C.J. Stroud on his first three targets to wide receivers, uh, he was three of three. All right, uh, on, uh, in that game. Um, his final 14 throws, um, which for, to wide receivers after he got hurt by Stroud and Mills, so just a combination of the two, two of 14 yep. throwing to wide receivers. <laughs> so before he started losing wide receivers, like Nico Collins and guys started dropping like flies, um, they were like, somewhat successful. But once you started losing all their wide receivers and they started dealing with injuries, and I think that all they had left was uh, Mechie and uh, Xavier Hutchison. They were basically the main – I think they were the only two receptions that they had to wide receivers in the final 14 targets to wide receivers in that game. Uh, they were 0-5 when targeting Noah Brown. Yeah, and he, uh, he was covered by half. sauce most of the time. Yeah, half. so it just – getting back to the point you made initially, man, you've got to have weapons. There, Like I said, there's an argument to be made that C.J. Stroud wasn't as erratic when they were dealing with offensive line injuries, but injuries to the, the, the skill positions had a – devastating effect on the Texas offense, which is, by the way, one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL. Just gave you that number. Yeah, well, they came into that game leading the NFL in passing yardage and uh, third in total offense. Yeah. And, uh, again, having watched pretty much every C.J. Stroud game and play, the thing that was amazing when the, the offensive line was injured was the ball was coming out so quick. Yes, it was. He, he identifies really quickly, and he mm -hmm. finds an open man. And he, and, but in this game, you could see it pretty clearly. Guys weren't open. I mean, I'm not going to – it's not about just defending C.J. No but Dalton he, Schultz too, right? Yeah, well, no Dalton Schultz. Yeah. And they started with Nico Collins yeah. ready to play, and he was going to be hurt. the go-to. And he got hurt in the first quarter, pulled yeah. a calf muscle. And then so no Dalton Schultz. And remember, Noah Brown was even questionable for the game. Mm -hmm. So he played, but 100%. And that's maybe, I think, that might be, Rod, the best secondary in pro football. When it's you're, one when of you're them. going yeah. with that set with yeah, yeah. Uh, the Jets. I mean, they've, they've, it's one they, of them. remember they, they beat Josh Allen to start. The, they beat the, the Eagles this year. Mm -hmm. The biggest surprise was how Zach Wilson shredded them. But I will say again, that came, they pitched a shutout against Zach Wilson in the first half. It was nothing to nothing at halftime. Neither team could move the ball. Second half, I think the Texans' defense just gave in. I just think they, right. the offense could not get first downs. Oh, they really could. They had eight straight punts at one point. They yeah. had 13 possessions, eight straight punts, three straight four and outs. 
at one point. And they it just became a battle for the defense. They just couldn't keep up. And uh, and I'll give Zach Wilson. I, I think he he made some really nice throws. I think there, there's I don't know where Zach Wilson goes from there, but he made some really good throws. But I think it was because the Texans defense got banged up a little bit and got tired, and he found some pretty easy windows. Also, I think for Zach Wilson, just yeah, obviously before we get to and this will lead us into our conversation about the quarterback attrition. Quarterbacks have to be able to perform at a really high level under a lot of pressure yeah. as the pressure mounts late in the season, right? Dak, MVP conversation, uh, division, you know, on the line, uh, playoff seating on the line, in the playoffs, the ultimate pressure cooker. Zach Wilson, that game, no pressure. No pressure. No pressure at all. Yeah, well, no they, pressure well, to get your spot. No pressure for to no. impress. It was basically you could or you could argue it was the the least amount of pressure he's felt in any game that he started. Yeah, and I think that's when he especially performed. in the second half. I yes, mean, he, they exactly. got to him in the first half, and then Will Anderson got hurt. Uh, Blake Cashman, their linebacker, got hurt. I mean, it was a mess for Houston. No, but that game yeah. was like this is get out of here. And as the game went on, it got easier and easier. And I don't want to say Texans gave in, but you just there's a point because at that point, Rod, when you're behind, once they fell behind, you know. They came out 14, then it's 14 nothing. Mm-hmm. You have to completely abandon a run game that's not good anyhow. And so they're just playing coverage, and they Quinn Williams is crushing you in the interior, right? Yeah, C.J. Stroud goes down. It's like this time. Uh, yeah, then, then, then that C.J. get hurt, and that, yeah. that's, he probably won't play this week. No, I, I, and I will say, even if he is ready, I wouldn't play him. No, it's uh, long-term now. Yeah, that. exactly. Oh, with C.J. Stroud. You don't need a Tua situation You here. don't. And speaking of that, if C.J. Stroud – They're playing Tennessee. We just saw last night. It's pretty hard-hitting defense still. Yeah, they're phys- they may not be a good team, but they're a physical team. Yeah, you don't know that about Tennessee. Exactly. Um, but if C.J. Stroud does not play and Davis Mills end up getting the start uh, or Case Keenum gets the start, who knows, um, that will make – and by the way, because there's talk now that Justin Herbert is going to also potentially miss a start. Because what are the Chargers playing for? And why would you go out there and risk your future – your quarterback, the face of your franchise getting hurt? So there's some talk that Easton Stick – uh, who, yep, sounds like some kind of shell corporation. Easton Stick might get a start for the Chargers because uh, Justin Herbert uh, may may hang it up or Macy may decide, uh, at least the, the franchise may decide, uh, they don't want to start him and risk him getting uh, further injured. So if that is the case, because Geno Smith didn't start last week and Drew Locke started for him, that would be 18 teams who have used multiple quarterbacks this season if C.J. Stroud ends up having to sit and Davis Mills gets to start and if Easton Stick starts for Justin Herbert. That'll make 18 teams, guys, uh, that have used multiple starting quarterbacks. Remember last year, you set a record uh, for every season except for the replacement season where you had replacement players in 1987. Uh, You set a record for unique, different starting quarterbacks, and you set a record for most teams who relied on multiple starters with 21 you're at 18 now, and we got four weeks. Or you're at 18, you're going to have three weeks to go if uh, those different quarterback situations end up coming to fruition with the backup starting. That'll be 18. But still, right now, you're at 16, and that's still a really, really that's high half number. half the league, and yeah. 18 would be more than half the league. And the other part of that, Rod, is how many guys are down to their third or fourth quarterback, right? I mean, I mean Joe Flacco is like the fourth option now. Yeah, Cleveland, Cleveland actually uh, won Minnesota yeah. is down to like three or four. Um, you know, it's you know, it, it, it's not just going to the backup. It's going to three, four down the list here. Yeah, Browns have won four games. They're actually the eighth team since 1950 to have four different starting quarterbacks win a game for them in a single season. Doesn't happen a lot. And also remember early in the season, we set a record for rookies 
Yeah. Rookie quarterbacks who started a game. I believe now they're they're at ten. At least they were. They might be at more than that actually. Now at rookies who started a quarterback. If you look at quarterback uh, teams who started at least three different starting quarterbacks, I believe you're at one, two, three, four, five, six, six teams who have started at least three different starting quarterbacks. Last year, that number uh, in terms of teams starting at least three was thirteen. Yeah. You had thirteen teams play at least three different starting quarterbacks. And that begs the question. We'll take your theories on it out there. Uh, they get hit with less than they've ever gotten hit, but it feels like, and Rod's giving you the numbers, they're getting hurt more than they've ever gotten hurt. Uh, we'll take a debate on that. We'll also here play some more Mike Leach, classic audio on the uh, this day a year ago. He passed away, and we lost Coach Leach, the treasure that he was. Also some who said that before the end of the hour. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook him up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. It is hook them up. I was looking at this. How uh, Peyton Manning put this out. So the Manning cast last night was good with a double header. They were doing both games. <laughs> and uh, Mike McDaniel actually put out this picture of this tweet, the text that he got. Uh, Peyton Manning apparently texted Mike McDaniel last week, Rod, <clears throat> and said, "Hey, any chance I can talk to you for about ten minutes about Sunday's game or uh, Sunday on Sunday for Monday's game?" Uh, Eli and I will be doing the game short and sweet, hang up with it after 10 minutes. And the response from Mike McDaniel was, um, F yes, you're <laughs> effing Peyton Manning, bro. <laughs> F yes, you're Peyton Manning, bro. You became a fanboy in that second? In that well, moment? yeah, it's like, I like, that. What you, like you're like, like I won't do it? F yes, I will. It's Peyton Manning, man. Maybe we'll talk some football theory or something. Peyton it's Manning, Peyton Manning, bro. I can teach you a, few, a thing or two. That's a beauty. That's you funny. I can teach you something. Um, F, yes, you're effing Peyton Manning. <laughs> I love Mike McDaniel. He's, He's so good. Well, he wasn't real happy with his team last night. That's for sure. They gave a game away. Uh, they, they, they were given a game, Rod. I don't know if I've ever seen a game like this. And you mentioned the stats of how odd it is to have a 14-point lead. And Remember, they had, they had the biggest spread of any game of week 14 at 13.5 points. But they, it was 13-all. They weren't going to cover this spread. And then within the Tennessee Titans went Tennessee, went complete bonehead. Mm-hmm. Their punter muffed a punt at the five-yard line, gave them a free touchdown to make it 20-17 to or 20-13. to Then on the next series, they got the kickoff handled. But then they tried to do a little weird uh, option play to Derrick Henry, which then fumbled. Yeah. That, was a ten, that was a short 10-yard field. Mm. So all of a sudden, they were given the game. It was 13-all. You know, Titans were playing solid. Now they're down 14, and they lost the game. They lost the game. With 4.30 to go. Yeah. Their defense went to sleep. The whole team went to sleep, and they lost. It was the fourth biggest upset in Monday Night Football history, at least in the Super Bowl era uh, on Monday Night Football. And it was the worst loss uh, for Tua in his career as a college or a pro quarterback because he was previously 34-0 straight up as a starter, uh, as a favorite of six points or more. So he hasn't actually been a favorite, uh, that that big of a favorite, and lost a game. And the manner in which he lost it by being up 14 points in the last three minutes, uh, that doesn't happen either. Teams previously were 767-0 when they were up by 14 points within the last three minutes. And, yeah, that streak is snapped because Miami somehow screwed it up. <laughs> they, yeah. And that's going to cost them. That's one of those ouch, brutal. ouch losses for them mm. to a bad team uh, that just fired their special teams coordinator and tried to give you the game. And I'll also say this for the Titans. Uh, Will Levis, that was impressive. I mean, he 
he was some – that was – you liked what you saw in the – they didn't quit. And the emotion that he had, the leadership he showed in that comeback on the road, they, that was kind of a never-say-die attitude. I love that from him. You know who Will Levis reminds me of when I watch him now? He's got the, the emotions of, like, uh, Philip Rivers. Like, he's, uh, he, is, well, he is in he's the game. Fiery. Yeah. Fiery. He Does he have as many kids no. as – <laughs> not yet. Does he want to be fruitful and multiply as much as Philip Rivers? Yeah, he's not. Uh, he's not a rabbit like that guy. Cause didn't he have like? Uh, did he just 11, have another one? He had another one like uh, like a like a month ago. Yeah. Yeah, another one. A lot of them. Damn. Uh, speaking of a lot of them, a lot of stories about Mike Leach today. One year to the uh, passing to his passing. Ty Harrington, our friend Ty Harrington, the head, hey. uh, longtime head coach at Texas coach? State. Yeah. Um, by the way, he and he, little, little, he and our guy Quan been playing a lot of golf together these days. Quan plays a lot of Quan, golf. Yeah, Quan's well, good at and golf. Ty, Ty likes playing golf. Yeah. So they've been, every time I text mm-hmm. him, hey, what do you guys think about golfing? Um, <laughs> well, he sent me a text this morning after we heard Craig Flowers tell his Mike Leach story. He said, uh, love the show this morning. I think a lot of us have Leach stories. We were going out to play Washington State in a three-game series. Uh, and so uh, Coach Leach and I knew each other from the coaching business. I texted him about where to go eat and all this stuff, and Pullman sends me an enormous paragraph about which restaurants, where to eat, <laughs> who the owner was, um, where to eat after, who the bartenders to talk to were. It's an unbelievable <laughs> of stories about the bartenders and their owners and the restaurants, oh, uh, all the stories of the bartenders, restaurants. And then so when he, we went to talk to those restaurants because they'd go after the ball game, wow. they would all tell their Mike Leach stories. I just don't know how he, he he has enough capacity in that brain for all the football stuff. Yes. He's got so much random knowledge and so many random thoughts about everything. Like, he's one of those people that has an opinion on everything. And it's researched. Like some, exactly. Some people don't have an opinion, opinion about most things, but not everything. Some of you are like, no, I have no opinion about that. I really don't care. No, Mike Leach cares and has an opinion, a passionate opinion about it. That's what I loved about the great, the late great Mike Leach. Man, that's awesome. Well, let's hear another uh, classic piece of sound. <laughs> as you say, he's got an opinion on everything, and he'll answer it any time. You could be on oh. the field as a sideline reporter. Well, and he you he ne- did about TV shows one time. He went deep about TV shows once, and it was awesome. Well, here is uh, Mike Leach. The weddings. Um, I'm in the middle of planning one right now. Do you have you any are? advice for me? <laughs> Who yeah. are you marrying? His name is Trevor. Okay, yeah, well... I'll have to you set up a meeting and I'll talk to him. Um, okay, so uh, where's Trevor from? He's from Florida. What does Trevor do for a living? He works in sports as well, covers football. He does what? He covers football as well. Really? Well, I don't know. We'll keep a close eye on it, but whatever you and Trevor decide, I would kind of keep it on the down low, which you failed to do that. Trevor was probably planning to, but you didn't. Uh, so go ahead and uh, uh, don't don't say anything else about it. But as soon as the season's over, or even an off week, go elope. Trust me on that. Go elope, because uh, basically every female in the family is going to terrorize you guys until it's over. Once it's over, I mean they'll be upset for a few days, but it'll be over, and then you know you cruise away, uh, along, have a happy marriage, have a happy life. I'll pass along the message. Thanks, Coach. Congrats on the win. Trevor, unless he's crazy, is totally on my side. And trust me on this. (laughs) If Trevor doesn't uh, uh, have the sense to do that, tell him to call me because, I mean, he needs to do trust. I've told all my kids, I'll give you $10,000 extra if you elope. So far, they haven't done it, but I would, too. I'll have him call you for sure. All right. Thanks, Coach. All right. Basketball is back. 
That's yeah. awesome. She tried to shut him up, and he's like, oh, have Trevor call well, That's me. on the field after the game. <laughs> like, she tried to, like, move on. He's like, no, 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 have him call me. I got some more stuff to talk about. He's crazy if he doesn't. Uh, Go elope. And you know what? He's right about the eloping thing. Oh, man. I think everybody agrees who's been married after was like, yeah, actually eloping would have been better. It would have been better. <laughs> Save some money, and then we could th- throw in a party later on. But the wedding and all that, and tra- man, way too much emphasis on the wedding. The marriage matters, not the wedding. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I told you, uh, and th- th- she's not listening right now, so I can throw her under the bus a little bit. My wife, she, so my oldest decided that he wanted to get, get married to his yeah. girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, last, about, about two Christmases ago now. Uh, and so, okay, and so and she was not a big wedding person. Like, she had been to very few weddings. She wasn't drama. The, the, the bride-to-be. Was so they come to us okay. and say, okay, because so they had gotten engaged a you know, year and a half earlier, but then they were like, okay, we're ready to move to, forward. Yeah, time to, yeah, plan They're to both like plan. 25. Okay, let's move forward. And they come to us, and she's like, yeah, we just want a small wedding, you know, 20, 30 people, and then we want to go on a trip or something. I'm yeah. like, yes. <laughs> I'm like, come on. Yes, this is awesome. <laughs> Let's just, go. Just a party, basically? Like, I'm like, oh, Griffin, where, where, where do you think? I'm, maybe, in, you know, in, our, in our backyard? Or, yeah. You know. Yes, okay, <laughs> here we go. And then, of course, that got derailed. Oh, uh, was, uh, was, was it wifey that derailed Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't. No, let's, no, she starts putting a list together. It's like, who, no, it's, we ended up with a 100-person wedding. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you see, exactly, just what Mike Lee said. He said the women are going to go crazy. They're going to lose their minds. They're going to want to plan this and do that. And then, yeah, just elope. I, I love a good wedding. To be I honest. do too. Well, well, not when you're paying for one. Plan- exactly. <laughs> Planning and paying for one are different than just attending one, yes. Ty. And the problem is, had I, we gotten away with that, it would have been awesome. Uh, we had a great time, by the way. The wedding was perfect. Because oh, yeah, they're always Dripping fun. Spring, they're always fun. Yeah. Uh, bill comes due. I won't mention that. But at the same time, because I have a daughter. And she's going to want to get married here shortly. Yeah. And, and the old, old antiquated rules. That would have been a good example. Of, hey, look. I mean, you see what they did? We had a great wedding. Everybody had fun. And they went on a trip. It was awesome. <laughs> that ain't going to happen with the number oh, three. Number no. three is not going there. Oh, no. You mean mama's baby? No. Oh, man. No and daddy's girl? No. Oh, you got no shot. Might as well yeah. get that up. Yeah. Might as well get that up. It's yeah. all right. I'm, I'm, I'm giving up everything so I can save for it. Yeah, I don't better, know when yeah, it's coming, sorry, but when it's coming. You start saving up. <laughs> Give it up and save it up. Uh, no, no. Yeah, but I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I actually, I'm, I'm all about the eloping in the small wedding. My wife planned it, and she wanted a wedding. Now, I will say. So I, we, I went along with it. And I'm don't argue but, with the woman unless she won't see the but now she wants it go yeah yeah just go just That's go along. I told Griffin I was like hold my son I was like why would you even come here just go do it <laughs> don't even ask tell mom us. later yeah man we'll have a party or something after <laughs> no but you know what it did turn out to be important because we got to meet her family and yeah, her sure. extended family and it becomes a big family occasion That's right so everyone meets everybody and you know then they were over for Thanksgiving this year. I don't know if that happens without the wedding. So either way, uh, but I'm with Mike Leach. Uh, save your money. I'm with Mike Leach on a lot of stuff, man. I love, as the older I get, I realize I agree more and more with Mike Leach's right. wisdom. wisdom. <laughs> Sage advice. It, it was wisdom back then. He was dropping that knowledge. He knew he wasn't going to be here for long. He's like, I got to get this. I got to get this philosophy, this air raid philosophy out there so I can change the football world forever. And I need to get my wisdom on all topics out there to the world. And thank God for YouTube. It's out there for us forever. Oh, man. Random we'll play some sage more. Wisdom, sage advice. Sage advice. Now, oh, the advice Leach. that Coach Leach didn't follow, unfortunately, was uh, take care of yourself because he 
probably lived the most. Did he ever unhealthy. give that advice? No, no he <laughs> never took that advice. Oh, he never took. That's why he had a heart advice. attack, a massive heart yeah. attack in his early sixties because well, he didn't take care of. Himself. I heard that Mike Leach lived every moment to its fullest. To its, that was and, his. That was his belief. And there are consequences to that. Yes. But hey, man, we're here for a good time, not a long time. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> and, but but my, the real thing about and obviously we're having some fun, and I think Mike Leach would like us to be having fun and talking about his memory and his legacy. Um, when you are no longer on this earth and you pass away, any of us, you just want to make sure that you have, you affected people's lives in a positive way, oh, wow. that you changed their lives in a positive way. And he did that for so many people, whether as a coach or whether just football theorists like me, whatever. So I, I, he left his he left his fingerprints yep. on the football world, but also on sports fans. Period. Everybody knows who Mike Leach is. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and and so that's but, what it's about. But you're right because there's the 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 adage I heard recently that's uh you know discipline rod because you, you, if you live a disciplined life you can live a long time right you can. doing the right things Amen. but so discipline is your current life the definition is, is your, your current you respecting the future you oh i like that okay yeah uh, and how much do you respect that future you because like you mike leach believe the opposite I mean, i'm living today hey, brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> f future me man yeah, i don't no, know about that no. dude that dude's an a-hole I'll, yeah i'm living i'm <laughs> living live today and yeah i think all of his uh you know points are actually reflected in that I'll, I'll tell you one thing quick though just getting back to the football element of it when mike leach comes to the big 12 with bob stoops that first year and then ends up going matriculates to texas tech and then we see the air raid spread throughout the conference. Bob Stoops wins the national title running the air raid, but with Mangino, I believe it was, right? It was yep. OC at the time. Still an air raid guy. Um, but basically, the Big 12 Conference became an air raid conference because of Mike Leach. And here's how it affected Texas. When uh, they won the national title, running the air raid offense their second year, blew out Texas, by the way. I was on that team. Got blown out in 2000. Texas had to make uh, an, an evolutionary adjustment, an evolutionary adaptation when it came to the new ecosystem of the Big 12 because the new ecosystem was going to be a spread league and you were going to have to figure out how to neutralize and defend the air raid. And when they brought in Coach Dwayne Aquina, his idea was, if we got to face the air raid, and by the way, Mike Leach's air raid was unique. Why? Because it was a 10-personnel air raid, four wide receivers on the field. He is the one that emphasized and weaponized the slot wide receiver when everybody was like, well, we don't need those little slot gadget guys, those little twitchy guys. He turned the West Welkers of the world into weapons <laughs> in that slot wide receiver aspect of the air raid. And Coach Aquina came in and said, well, they're going to have four wide receivers on the field, I need four cover corners on the field. Now, they can end up playing safety, but they got to be a cover corner, pretty much. That's why you guys cross-trained. And that's why he ended up putting Nathan Vasher and Ahmad Brooks at safety, Quentin Jammer and myself at corner, and that was pretty much his evolutionary adaptation to the, to the air raid. He was like, well, you can put four wide receivers on the field looking for a matchup advantage. You won't find one yeah. against this secondary because well, and- they're all coverage guys. Well, and you the know, five tool defensive back. You know, I mean, the, the air raid started in high school in the mid '90s, and by gosh, by 2001, it was oh. 2000. It was in the Big Twelve, and yep. by 2010, it was all over the National Football League. And uh, oh, you yeah. know, it, it talk about changing a game. And people talk about should he be in the Hall of Fame? You know, his winning percentage or what whatnot. He he won a lot of football games, but he won a lot of football games at hard places to win. Yep. Washington State, Starkville, Texas, Mississippi, yes. Amen, Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. So I don't mean the winning percentage. He changed the game. Yep, totally In agree. so many ways. Yep. All right, we'll come back. When we do, who said that, Rod? Who said Some that? audio from around the landscape, and uh, we try to guess who said it. We're coming next. The Horn text line has moved. Join the conversation on the new Horn text line, 512-447-3776. That's 512-447-3776. 
Aaron Hogan. You just gotta keep living, man. Rod Babers. L I V I N. E and Rod B. On the horn. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? Who said it? One of our favorite segments each day. We get to play some audio for one another and for you, the people. Try to discover who it is from around the sports landscape and like outside of it, like we had Julia Roberts yesterday was featured. Uh, what do you have for me, Rod? Uh, I sent uh, I sent you a couple of uh, audio cuts there, Ty. So uh, whenever you get a chance, dial it up so we can play Who Said That. see you know, with our quarterback position like case and davis we'll see you know where we where we end up throughout the week uh both guys have played a lot of football and at this point of where we are we just one guy's going to put us put ourselves in position right to win football games right who can we count on to help us win football games and that's how we'll decide thank you who said that Oh, that's D'Amico. 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 So he's basically saying they don't know what their starting quarterback is going to be. Uh, they are going to be fair. Because remember, there was a moment in the game previous with the Broncos where he kind of got woozy. Last thing you want to do is create a Tua situation with C.J. Stroud. That was a hard hit. And it was kind of scary because when he got pushed down, he had no support, and he banged his head on the turf there. You know, when we saw Tua do it where the legs start to shake a little bit, yeah, like he's kind of flailing his legs. It's like, no, no, I look like a – yeah, let's, let's, let's shut this down. Uh, he's, they're seven and six. They're in the mix, but at the same time – They're on the side of caution, man. He's the great – he's at the greatest rookie season in the history of the NFL, at least the start of it. Yeah. It, you know it, he's the real deal he's now. He's the real deal. Yeah. There's no doubt. Uh, but the la- And for any player, even if he was no good, you want to protect the player. Yeah. Um, but, you know it, – But it, no it, need to rush him. Remember the 49ers, they rushed Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's concussion protocol. They're like, nah, he ain't going to be in there for well, long. I remember Tua came back. They got hurt on a Sunday, and they put him back in for a Thursday yeah, game. Yeah, so I'm just saying for him, don't rush it. No, I don't think he's, he's down good. for the rest of the year, but I think for one week at least. And, yeah. You know, over over overestimated with that. And Case Keenum can win you a football game against Tennessee. I mean, he, that's what you he got him for. He's a veteran. That's what he's there for. Yeah. Or Davis Mills, but I'd rather see Case Keenum out there. Speaking of Mike Leach disciples, I think, I Case think you're Keenum. right about that. Yeah, you're right. Air raid, baby. Air raid, baby. Air raid guy. Hey, can we hear some who said that? I always like pulling from this uh, growing popularity podcast because this is pretty funny. Who said this? Tommy, what's happening? We got a very special guest. What's so special about him? What's he so might special be. About him? He, he makes you who you are. That's what's so special about him. He might be. He might be my most special child in my life. Who's maybe a little older than a child, but my oldest son. There's nobody that could bring more life and energy to a party or any situation than Robbie G. So, and the greatest tight end of all time, my man Robbie. Mm. Robbie G, that's so close. Tom Brady and Gronkowski are so close. I love their little bromance. I do. I'm not going to. They're it's like real. brothers. It's genuine. Like, it's a genuine bromance. You can tell when they get together, even when they're not playing, they, they're giddy. you got to see the smile. I mean, the smile on Brady. Because Gronk's first thing, he says, who, who's special about it? Who, he, the one who made you everything you were. Yeah. No, they, they, I'll tell you, I, I actually love them together, man. They are fantastic. Um, okay, let's uh, – Ty, I sent you a couple of more for who said that. Just uh, dial them up and we can uh, play who said that. Hey, you know how much you talk about the sinners <clears throat> and you got to be comfortable with the sinners? I mean, y'all talk like they just bring you a guy from the bleachers for the backup center. And you're like, what's your name again? Like, y'all have never met him. And you're, the whole thing's <laughs> off. Well, We've met them. Yeah. It's just not. It's a comfort. It's a comfort area. You don't want to. You don't want to go around okay. that area of too many people. You know. Yeah, you kind of want your hands <laughs> to be for one set of butt cheeks, Nate. So you don't really want to, <laughs> you know, share that with with several. So 
you try to stay did you, uh, could you blindfold and just have your hands under and tell who it is? Yeah, 100%. I could, <laughs> for sure. I, I, knew, I knew Jeff Saturday's butt cheeks as well as anybody. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think you ever want to blind. You don't want to use blindfold and butt cheeks together very often. But uh, Stop saying the word butt cheeks. Yeah. It's bothering Yeah, we can't. We've got Nate. That's too good. That's Nate Bargazzi along with the Manning brother. That's funny. Can we stop using butt cheeks and blindfolds? We don't want to. That's that. funny. Well, that's why that show is funny because Eli and Peyton brother. Speaking of Gronk and Tom Brady, brotherly friendship. Oh my god. Uh, that that actual... part was good, but I did watch like 25 minutes of the Manning cast last night, and it was some of the hardest television I've watched in a while. Oh, it's got dry points. It's got. I mean, it. Yeah. it, it, it you know, trust me, as someone who not on that level, we do the in-game yeah. watch on Inside Texas. There'll be parts where there'll be just, times where it drags. I yeah. mean, gosh, especially when there were some blowout games with yeah. Tech, and you're like, okay, what are we yeah. talking about? I'm throwing out all the stats I can yeah. now, all the observations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, and they're sitting in their living room or basement or wherever they're doing it. Uh, another piece of who said that, Rob. This one's uh, kind of provocative. We talked about it earlier. It's this for me. Number one, Kadarius Tony. You should always look at the official to say, hey, am I on? If you did that and the flag got thrown, we got an issue. If you didn't do, do that, the Chiefs got to figure out, well, we got an issue. So I went back. I watched every single snap from last night that Kadarius Tony played. Not one time did he check with the official. But that play that we're talking about was not the first time it happened in the game. This is the second play of the game, his first snap. Kadarius Tony's up top. He is on the line. Now, the guy opposite him was supposed to be on the line as well, but he's about three or four inches behind Kadarius Tony. That's almost the same alignment wow. that we're talking about when it comes to the flag getting huh. thrown. But there's no warning that gets shared with Kadarius Tony on this play. This is his first snap of the game. Okay, a little bit later. Look at where the football is. The football is on the 30-yard line. <laughs> look at where Kadarius Tony is. Jeez. He's in that same exact alignment. Now, look at the receiver opposite him. That guy is supposed to be on the line of scrimmage as well, but he's actually in the right alignment. So Kadarius Tony is basically in the same alignment that he was when that flag got thrown. But a bit later in the game, Kadarius Tony, look where the football is. Look at where his foot is. That looks exactly like the play that happens with the lateral. The guy opposite him, he's technically on the line as well, but he's three or four inches off. Kadarius Tony is in that same alignment consistently throughout that football game. Never once does he check with the official, but never once in that same alignment did the official ever warn him, hey, you have to get back. So is he offsides on that final play? Yeah, he probably is. But he was three, four, five other times in that game. So it's incumbent upon the officials in that situation to make sure he gets warned because that final play happened multiple times within that football game. There you go. Deep dive from Orlovsky making yeah, a good point. It, it tells you that Kadarius Tony's a dope. Yes. Come on, man. He, he was a dope, but also he's not being coast hard because, number one, he should be checking in with the official not only to uh, to, to signal that he's going to be the uh, player on the line of scrimmage, but also that he is correctly all right, uh, lined up on the line of scrimmage. But then the coaches never noticed it. Dan Olowski went back and noticed it, so the coaches never noticed it. And if the coaches never noticed it, they should also be correcting him. And right. saying, hey, man, you need to be online. And you also, you need to be checking in with the official right. to and, confirm it. And it's not unfair to say to the officials, I thought what and Patrick Mahomes apologized, Andy Reid backtracked. But at the same time, if you hadn't called it the whole game and he'd done it four or five times, why did you call it that time? Uh, that's only officials. Hey, that's, hey, where's the consistency on that? Nope, you're right. Uh, what, what was made that a penalty in the first three or four not? So everyone to blame, as we said earlier. But 95% of the blame goes to Kadarius Tony. We can divide the other five up among the coaches, 
the refs. Um, yeah. But come on, Tony. As a player. You've you been got, playing wide receiver your whole life. Your whole life. <laughs> and maybe he's been lining up all sides his whole life. Who knows? We don't know. we got to go back and check the film now. Oh, man. It's terrible. Uh, we'll come back. Come the on. Fabulous Fifth Hour is on tap. We'll take you your thoughts on Mike Leach stories and memories. We'll play some more sound of Coach Leach. It was one year to this day, December the 12th, that we lost Coach Leach, that heart attack, and uh, very, very sad. So we're honoring him today and his tribute and his uh, – well, he impacted the game of football and people's lives. It's pretty good stuff. We'll hit one more. Uh, also, burn, burn Orange Curtain. We'll get some What's Poppin'. We're rolling on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. <laughs>